Hey guys, we're going to go ahead and get started, but the ladies have told me there is plenty left, so if you didn't get enough uh, on your first round of nachos, then feel free to jump back up. In fact, anytime during the, uh, and Kaysen, oh, and Kaysen, Kaysen said y'all can come get some nachos too. So we are going to get started this evening. Uh, like I said, there's plenty of nachos, there's still some desserts up front. Uh, we're going to get rolling. One thing that I wanted to make you guys aware of, in case you hadn't heard, uh, one of our own, Mr. Gary Trisler, uh, is in the hospital. Um, earlier on today, he had a, um, a bleeding issue, an internal bleeding issue that they were having trouble getting stopped. But uh, last I heard, they were able to get him stable and are now transporting him to the hospital in Baton Rouge. So a little bit of good news, but certainly let's be mindful of, of that situation. In fact, let's go ahead and pray right now as we get ready to jump into the Word, and let's pray for Mr. Gary. So, Lord, we're thankful once again for the opportunity to come together, to, to jump into your word tonight, to eat, to fellowship. And I pray that you be not only with us tonight, but, but you're with Mr. Gary and his family. And I pray that you help those doctors to, to get him well again. And, Lord, I pray that you use your healing hand on him right now, even as he's traveling to Baton Rouge. Lord, I pray that you are with him and, and, you, and you help in that situation. And, and not only you helped heal his body, but Lord, I pray that you are with him to give him strength and courage to go through uh, whatever it is that, that lies in the days ahead, Lord. I pray that you give them safe travel to Baton Rouge and that as he gets there, he feels comforted and loved on and well taken care of. And uh, we're, Lord, we're, we're thankful for the fact that we can come to you in, in any and every uh, time, and, and we know that you're there. You're never far away. And in fact, that's what we're going to read in your scripture today. So we're thankful for all that you've given us tonight, thankful for the good food and the fellowship, and I pray that we, that we honor and glorify you in all that we do and our thoughts and our actions tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I've got a word of encouragement for you. Uh, of course, Brother Jeff and his family are still out of town, and, and a bit of, I think it's good news. I don't know if you guys are going to think it's good news, uh, but I told some folks in our Sunday school class that because Brother Jeremy let y'all out so early this morning, that just gave me extra time tonight. They didn't necessarily agree with that, but, I mean, it seems, seems applicable. Miss Tammy, doesn't that sound good to you? Yeah. yeah. See, she wasn't even listening, but she, she agrees. Miss Tammy loves me. So we are going to jump in. Uh, to, and where we're going to sort of hang out, we're going to jump around a little bit. But if you have your Bible and you want to go ahead and get there, don't, I mean, if you're eating, like, finish eating, no, no big rush. But we're going to jump into Matthew 7 tonight. It's kind of going to be our home base for where we're going to, where we're going to study tonight. But here's the deal. Let me give you a little bit of setup about where we're going. A couple months back, our Sunday school group, which is actually the group that fixed supper for you guys tonight, and I thought they did a great job. Um, Bradley got to talking about the promises that we find in Scripture. And whenever you look at those promises in Scripture, there's a couple that I'm going to share with you tonight that are like at the top of my list, and, and certainly not an uh, all-inclusive list, but two that I want to share with you tonight that just reminds us that, that the Lord is near. But I'm going to need a little bit of help as we travel through the Word tonight because um, I feel pretty confident about the Word that the Lord has given me to share with you as this Word of encouragement. But I'm a teacher, and I just like to have some, some, some feedback, not necessarily about how I'm doing, but whenever I ask questions, like, you guys feel free to jump in. If you have questions at any point, feel free to jump in and ask as well. And so I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball to start the game off with you tonight. Off the cuff. Tell me some promises or a promise that you find in Scripture that you tend to lean towards, whether it be good times or bad times or somewhere in between. What's a promise that you have found yourself leaning on in Scripture uh, recently or in years past? Mr. Mike, what you got? Never leave your old 
Hey, how about that? That is actually where we're at tonight. We're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Joshua chapter 1, and repeated in reference to Deuteronomy and Hebrews 13, the idea that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that. What else you got? He will give you rest. Man, how about that? If we come and rest in the Lord, He is willing to give us that rest that we so desperately need and desire at times. What else do you guys find uh, that we would say would fall into that category of promises throughout Scripture? Do not fear. Man, that's a tough one. A lot of these, what I find, they're easy to read and they get me all pumped up. But in, in, in the time that I need them, I find myself a little, we- little weary and, and willing to step out on that promise, right? And so that's why I feel excited about this word of encouragement tonight as we travel through the word together. That I've got a word for you that the Lord has given me that's just simply a word of encouragement. Because as I was talking to Bradley earlier, he was asking, you know, where we're going to be at tonight and things like that. And I was telling him, and, and, his, and, his, th- and his response was, man, sometimes we just need to be reminded of these things that we know to be true in Scripture, but man, it's oftentimes nice to have that reminder of what the Lord has placed on our heart in times past, but, but sometimes I forget those things. And so that's where we're headed tonight as we journey through a couple different Scriptures, but we're going to be talking about some promises that we have. And so several times, as Mr. Mike mentioned, several times, and this is the first note on your handout, if you have handout or if you want a handout, they're back there. I did follow suit with Brother Jeff. I like those on Sunday nights. I'm one of those people that he doesn't like to hand them out early because I like to fill them out early and like see how many I can get right. You know, that's just me, but, but they're back there. There's a couple of pens back there. If you want to grab one, feel free, but you certainly don't feel like you have to. But in your first note, we see this idea, and I've mentioned to you, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 31. And this is where God is telling Moses, he said, Moses, basically, and this is my paraphrase, he says, Moses, I appreciate all the work that you did, but but buddy, it's time for you to go, and I'm going to rise up Joshua, I'm going to raise up Joshua, and he's going to take uh, the Israelites into the promised land. And do y'all remember what he tells Joshua? He tells him that in, in Deuteronomy 31, then he turns around and tells him, we read it again in Joshua chapter 1. He says, he finishes up well with, I will never leave nor forsake you, but do y'all remember how the, how the beginning of that verse goes? What does he say? He says, be strong and be courageous, and be willing to go to the places that I tell you to go, and don't fear Because wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. That's how it reads in my Bible in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy. And then it turns around in Joshua chapter 1. It says the same idea. Not only will I be with you wherever you go, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then as we read, the the writer in Hebrews references that in Hebrews 13. So in those first couple of verses, I mean, um, blanks there, it says, God promises multiple times throughout Scripture that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And then if you jump to Matthew chapter 7, right? This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount starts about Matthew chapter 5. And, and he goes through a couple of things. And, and he's, trying to, uh, he's talking to this large crowd of people from the mountainside. And you get to chapter 7. And, and about, uh, it's about verse 7. Jesus says this. See if y'all can get this with me. See if anybody remembers. He says, blank and it will be given to you. Do you remember what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount? Blank and it will be asked and it will be given to you, right? Then help me out. Let's finish off. It says, blank and you will find. Seek Seek and you will find. And then blank, the door will be open to you. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now, once again, I need a little bit of help here. So if Jesus is talking about this asking, this seeking, and this knocking, what's the best way for us to go to the Father and ask and seek and knock? 
through prayer. Jesus is talking about prayer here, and he's, and he's hammering home that, guys, listen, if you would just simply ask the Lord and seek after him and seek his righteousness and his kingdom, then the door will be there. I was reading some commentary on this verse, and I love the idea. Charles Spurgeon, you all remember Charles Spurgeon? Great, great um, theologian from days past. And he says the way that he describes this, this last part of knock and it will be open, he says it would be foolish for us to go to this wall and knock on this wall, right? Because there's no, there's no way to, to enter there. It would be foolish for us to go to a door that is locked and is going to stay locked. But instead, here's what the Lord says. He says, come to me, seek my ways, and knock, and there is a path that it's there for you. It's there. But he does tell us to ask for these things, to seek these things, and to knock. In essence, go to the Lord and lay your heart before him, and he has great things for us. Now, I do think we have to be a little careful here. We were talking about this in, in Sunday school this morning. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that I get to go ask for a new Mercedes Benz. Like, that wouldn't be very functional in my house anyways. But, like, the idea is that, like, I'm not going to go and seek the Lord and knock at his door and expect a Mercedes Benz. I, I'm just not, I don't think that that's the way that it works, right? But I do think that if I'm seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, those things that are laid on my heart that I, that I want, that I desire, Guess what? They match up to the Lord's desires. And I think that that's when our paths cross. And then he's willing and able to give us those things that we're after, right? So that's pretty exciting. So that's where we're going to go. And so here's where I want to take you, though, right? If you look at this next picture up here, this is a pretty cool picture that I found that the nanny's helping me with back there. And so, like, you got this sailboat. Like, I know nothing about sailboats, but it's, it's a pretty picture, right? Right? I, like, I've been on enough boats, but never, never sailboat. But, like, this, this picture is beautiful because you see the sun breaking through. But what do you notice is all around that? You see the darkness and you see the storms. And here's what I believe to be true about life. Sometimes... The, the seas are calm and, and the winds are our back and we feel like we're, we're trucking along, right? Like I, I bet you've been, and hopefully, maybe, maybe even now you're, you're in that season of life where you feel like, maybe not that you got everything figured out, but you feel the Lord at your back and just helping you along your way. You know what I'm talking about? There's those seasons of life where it just feels like I can rest here knowing that I'm in a place that God has called me to be, right? But here's what I also know to be true about life. Whether it be in the past, the present, or the future, there's bound to be some storms that pop up every once in a while. And sometimes those storms are, are, are pretty difficult to get through. Sometimes they're, as much as it rained this afternoon, like, like I, I'm, I'm not a farmer, but Jonathan, I bet, I bet that was pretty good rain to have, right? Like it, like it seemed like it was, right? And, and so the idea is that even though we weren't able to go outside and play ball with my boys, I knew that that was a refreshing rain that was needed at this time in this place. And so not all storms are necessarily bad storms, but there are some storms in life that, that feel pretty tough, right? So I'm going to give you a couple, and they're, they're a bit comical, right, now that I'm on the other side of the storm, but I want to share a couple with you, and then we're going to jump into Scripture, and we're going to talk about a couple storms that we find in Scripture so a couple months back, um, Katie, Katie's not in here, so I'm going to share the story. She, she, she probably would give me the, the old stop sign, but I'm going to share it anyways. And so um, and, and, and a lot of you may, may already know the story because it, it was, once again, it, it's funny now. It wasn't so much funny then. But one day she was coming our t- to our neighborhood. We lived just south of the interstate there in, in South Ridge. And, and so she had a, had a car coming her way, and, and she was on our road. And it's, it's, it's big enough for two vehicles, but not really, if, if that makes sense. And so she had kind of got over to the right side because she was coming into our neighborhood, and all our mailboxes are on the right side, right? And our first 
neighbor that, that if you come into our neighborhood, Mr. Bobby Skeen, they have this real nice black mailbox that's on the side of the road, and somehow Katie eased over just enough that, that it started to grab her front right fender panel on the front of her car, right? And she's like, you know, I, I don't know if she didn't realize it or what, but not only did it grab that front right fender, she continued to proceed on, and it grabbed the right door and the back door and the back panel as well. $17,000 worth of damage because of this nice little pretty black mailbox on the right side of our driveway. And so, like, we have insurance, and insurance was taking care of it, and we had a great guy working on our car, and all that worked out. But really, the, the storm for us, other than, you know, I'm sure our insurance company's trying to think twice about insuring us, but, but outside of that, like, just finding a vehicle for us to, to have and be able to carry around our big family, because she has a Suburban, uh, was, a, was a little bit troublesome. Right, and so the insurance company was willing to help us out up to like a thousand dollars. So that got us like three or four days at the at the rental car, and and that's like in a in a car, you know, that's not like her suburban. So we, so we were able to do that. Katie's mom loaned us her van. They were going out of town, so she loaned us our van. So we got by a little while. It took about two months to get her car fixed, and so we found ourselves in this storm of trying to navigate. All right, whose car can we borrow this week? Whose car can we borrow for a couple of days? And like I said, it's funny now on the backside because her car is fixed and it looks good and we can laugh about it. But in the midst of that, that was a storm that was a little frustrating, right? It, it just was, right? And, you, and maybe you find yourself in a, in a storm like that. One that, that wasn't quite, um, it, was, it was as frustrating. Let me, let me back up. Maybe it wasn't as frustrating, wasn't as big of a deal. But in the moment, it seemed like a much bigger deal. Last Thursday... Um, we, we were kind of split up as a family. I was working and then I came and met up with the family. And anyways, about Thursday night, uh, Katie came home and just was not feeling all that well. And who knows what was going on, but she just, she just didn't feel good. And so she was going, she was going to rest up. And shortly thereafter, she started getting sick at her stomach and I'll I'll spare you the details, but we started getting sick at her stomach. And then only hour, every hour, our kids started going down. And so... Throughout the night, I'm trying to help because Katie's already sick. You know, she's not really feeling up to helping clean up the mess that, that's ensued in our house. And so I'm, I'm helping clean up and, and trying to take care of everybody best I can. Then, then I'm not feeling all that great myself, and about 6 o'clock in the morning, it finally hits me. And so all but two of us, my, in fact, our two youngest, Brooklyn and Colton, for whatever reason, never got, six, but, never got sick, but five out of the seven in our house ended up with some type of stomach bug or food poison or whatever it was. And, and in that moment, in that 12, 24 hours, whatever it was, that was not a very fun storm to be in, right? So if you've ever had the stomach bug, which we probably all have, like, to me, that's the worst of the worst, right? Like, I would rather have Katie jacked up both sides of her car than I would have our family had the stomach bug. It's like one of those deals that, that I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy, right? Now a week later, it's a little funny to tell you that, you know, five of us went down and we had to barricade the house and, of course, the kids couldn't go play and all that that goes with trying not to get anybody else sick. But it was one of those storms that wasn't really anybody's fault, right? It just happened. It was one of those things that's a part of life. But it wasn't a real fun storm to be traveling through, right? And you've had these storms, right? Some are funny now that you're on the backside. And some of them, like my dad passing away 11 years ago, like there's, there's not much delight that I find in that. There's not a whole lot. I, can, I have memories that I, that I share that bring a smile to my face. But it wasn't like me being able to tell a funny story about Katie messing up her car, running into a mailbox type deal, right? And so we have these storms that go through our life that sometimes 
um, you can see the break in the storm, and you're like, all right, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's coming, and we're going to be okay, right? And then there's sometimes you find yourselves in storms, and it's like there's just pitch black darkness around you, and I, I, don't, I don't know what side is up, what side is down, what side is left, what side is right, and those are tough to get through. But what I want to give to you tonight is some encouragement that even in the darkest of your days, the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. And so here's where I want to journey with you for just a few moments. These are stories that, that I bet you know, um, that I bet you remember from Scripture. But I want to remind you of some of the storms that we see in Scripture. Because as Brother Jeff mentioned sometimes, I think we have this ten- tendency to dehumanize the characters that we read in Scripture. Like there's some type of superhuman people that, that don't go through the storms that you and I go through. But I guarantee if we take a quick look at Scripture that we're going to see some of the same storms, if not some of the greater, sometimes they go through greater storms than what we do. So look at that, look at that uh, section there that, that's titled, The Struggle is Real. And once again, give me a little bit of help. I know the answers. I have my, have my hand out, but, but it would be nice to have some help from you guys. So when we look at Abraham, way back in Genesis, right, Abraham was called to do something so great that I, I, I can't even fathom. I don't even know how he could possibly go through with something like this. But do y'all remember what Abraham was asked of the Lord? Or the Lord asked of Abraham, I guess would be the right way to say that. He was to sacrifice his own son, and his son's name was Isaac. And he went to the point of, of getting to the mountainside. He tells his servants to, hey, why don't you stay back? Me and Isaac are going to go up. And Isaac's even asking questions like, hey, Dad, we've done this enough. Like, where's the burnt offering? And do y'all remember what Abraham says? He says, the Lord will provide. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me how, how he's asked to sacrifice his own son. And his mindset is, Lord, if this is what you asked me to do, then I'm going to do it. But what do I tell my son who I'm facing to sacrifice? And he says, the Lord will provide. Man, and until you get to that part where he says the Lord will provide and the Lord does provide the ram and the bushes, like I'm thinking like, Lord, this, this ain't a good story. This ain't a good story. It's like watching a movie and like this isn't going to end well. This isn't going to end well. But the Lord provides. How cool is that? How about this next one? The next one says that Joseph was sold into slavery, not by some people that come kidnapping, by his own brothers, Right? And y'all remember how, how Joseph's story goes? He goes, he's put into slavery, and he goes through all these trials and tribulations and ups and downs. But what ends up happening to Joseph? He, he becomes second in command in Egypt, only to Pharaoh. And do y'all remember when his brothers come back and he finally reveals themselves to his brothers? Do y'all remember what he tells his brothers? He says, what you meant for harm, the Lord meant for good. Like, how do you have that mindset when your own brothers sell you into slavery? They put you down in a pit. They sell you into slavery, and you have all these things, these tragic things happen in your life. And if, if you had not read the story of Joseph in a while, go back and read it, and you'll see, like, Joseph wasn't smooth sailing, right? Like, there was a storm all around him. And yet, at the end of it, when he sees his brothers, and he gets to meet Benjamin, and, and he gets to see his father again, he says, what the Lord what you guys, my own flesh and blood, what you meant for harm, the Lord meant for good. He knew what was going to happen, and he knew where he needed me to be. And you guys, whether you wanted to be or not, were the vessel to get me there. Like that, that just doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense. It doesn't feel good in the flesh, at least, right? All right, how about this one? We read in that third one, it says, Samson, in all his <laughs> foolishness, 
loses two things. He probably lost a lot more than that, but what do you think the two things are here that he loses? Remember when that they end up cutting his hair, and he was a Nazarite, and they cut his hair, he loses his strength, and then after they take away his strength, they gouge out his eyes. So he loses his strength and his sight because of some foolishness. We'll just leave it at that, right? And so because of straying away from the, what the Lord had called him to do, the Lord had great things for him to do. He chose to take his own path, and, and in doing that, he lost his strength and his sight. Now look down at the next one, because these two guys, in my opinion, kind of go a bit hand-in-hand, hand, a little bit different. But then we read about the, the story of Jonah, and Jonah's asked to go to this place to share the gospel, to share God's love, and he's not about it, and he goes the other way, and what ends up happening? He's swallowed by a big fish. Like, that's a crazy story, right? That's a crazy story, but I believe it to be true, and he's swallowed by a fish, right? Once again, I'll I'll just chalk it up to some foolishness. He wasn't willing to do what the Lord had called him to do. And so you see, sort of in a sense, Samson and Jonah kind of go hand in hand there. They weren't willing to do what the Lord had called them to do, and they end up in a bit of a predicament, right? But do you remember what happens at the end of both of their stories? Samson, his hair grows out as, as he's in prison or the dungeon or whatever, and he's put on as a, as a spectacle, basically in front, in front of all the Philistines. And what does he do? He, he prays to the Lord. He said, Lord, if you'll just grant me the strength, I'm going to take these dudes out for you like you called me to do for the first, right? And he pushes the columns out, and, they, and crushes all of them, and Samson dies with them. But it says that he killed, I think, twice as many men in that one act of of strength than he had in all of his other accolades, right? And then you read about Jonah. Remember Jonah swallowed by the big fish? He spit out, and finally he gets his mind right. He's like, all right, Lord, I guess I'll head to Nineveh. And what happens in Nineveh? The Lord is about to wreak havoc on Nineveh, and, and Jonah shares the, the, shares the message with them, and they turn from the ways, from their wicked ways, and God spares them. Now, Jonah's not exactly happy about this, right? But the idea is that finally he went about the Lord's business, and in doing that, the, the Lord did great things in both him and Samson. So those are kind of cool stories where the Lord is near. How about this one? This one I was recently... Uh, uh, went back and read and, and, and heard a sermon, talked about it, and it's just a story that, that I love, yet I hadn't read a whole lot about until recently. Do y'all remember Naomi and Ruth? Y'all remember that story? So do y'all remember their struggle? Why did Naomi's family originally have to leave Bethlehem? Do y'all remember what's happening? There's a famine, right? So her family is facing a famine, and they move to an area known as Moab. And her two sons, so she's married and has two sons, and, and their two sons marry uh, Moabite women, one of them being Ruth, right? So she's already faced great tragedy and famine and having to take her family and be uprooted from Bethlehem and go to a foreign land. But do you all remember what happens 10 years later in Moab? Her sons and her husband, all three die, Right? And she's like, what in the world am I going to do? She's in this great storm. What am I going to do? And she gets word that back in Bethlehem, they've gotten through the famine, and maybe she can go and survive back in Bethlehem. And so she chooses to go back to Bethlehem. And her two daughters-in-law at first say, hey, let us go along with you. We don't have anything here, right? And Naomi basically tells them, listen, I can't give you another son. In fact, if I was to have a son now, it wouldn't be worth him growing up and you waiting on him to become your husband. And so uh, Opal, I think it was, is like, all right, fair enough, I'm out, right? But do you remember what Ruth says? She says, wherever you go, I'm going with you, right? 
And so she now goes to this what is foreign to her in Bethlehem, and, she, and there she meets Boaz. And do you all remember the title that Boaz is given in the story of Ruth? It's the kinsman redeemer, right? So basically, uh, Naomi had family there that had the option to get all of Naomi's possessions and family. But if she chose to do that, if he chose to do that, he would have to take on Ruth as well. And so he ends up, Boaz ends up marrying Ruth and takes on Naomi, and they become a family. And at the end of the story, do y'all remember who um, who who uh, Ruth's son is? By chance, it, once again, I wouldn't have known this if I wouldn't have read it recently. Anybody have to remember? Starts with an O. Who's Obed? Who then was the father of Jesse? Who then was the father of David? How cool is that? In the lineage of Jesus, there's this story of this kinsman redeemer and this mother-in-law and this daughter-in-law who had faced great things. So in your blanks is they had faced famine and they had faced death. But in their choosing to continue to seek out the Lord, the Lord provides them a kinsman redeemer. And it ends up being in the, in the lineage of Jesus. And so you have, when we look at the lineage of Jesus, there's, I think, four or five women that you see and one of those being Ruth, and she is a, a Moabite. She's not even of the, the, uh, the uh, she's not even Israelite, right? But yet she is in the lineage because that's how God works, right? He writes these stories that don't make any sense to us, but yet make sense to him. So let's get through a few more. Our last one, Job, right? Like if you, if you hadn't read the story of Job in a while, let me just give it to you short and straight. Job lost everything, everything. Right, it kind of made note there in the handout that he he lost all of his wealth, he lost all of his cattle, he lost all of his children. He even loses the relationship of his wife and his best friends. Because remember, his best friends are like, "Dude, you must have done something wrong to make the Lord mad at you." And the Lord's like, "No, this isn't how this is working." Right? But do you remember what Job does? He stays faithful to the very end, and the Lord gives him twice back what what he had ever had before. And so we see the faithfulness of Job. And so I'll just give you a couple reminders of we see people in Scripture, and listen, that's not definitely not a conclusive list. Like there's a whole lot more storms that you see throughout Scripture. But that's just a reminder that there are people in the Word, in the Scripture, that have gone through great storms just like we have. And sometimes we even get to read about their storms, and, and they're a little bit greater. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. I don't know about y'all, but I had not found myself in a lion's den lately. Right? Like it feels a little bit like a lion's den sometimes at my house. But like... Genuinely, literally speaking, like I, I'm not really in a lion's den, right? Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where are they thrown? Thrown into the fire. Once again, it feels some days like my tail's on fire because I'm running all over the place. But in reality, I'm not facing some fiery furnace, right? But, 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 but the promise is still true to us as it is to them. Whatever storm you may be facing, I promise that the Lord is not far away, right? So let's dive through just a little bit more. Actually, let me ask you this question. Anybody willing to share maybe a storm or a struggle that you've been through in the past or you find yourself in today? I know that's, once again, that's kind of heavy to throw at you off the cuff, but what about you guys? You know, I shared a little bit, a couple funny stories, running into a mailbox and stomach bug that sometimes pops its nasty head up. What type of storms do you find yourself in? All right, Mr. White. Yes, sir.
Yes, sir. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yep. That's right. And it, it, you know, I mean, not to make light of the situation, but this week kind of felt a bit like that fiery furnace trying to move stuff, didn't it? <laughs> this week was rough. Mr. Mike, you were going to share something? You know, that reminds me of, of that scripture in Matthew 7 when we talk about those doors opening, right? And because I believe, I know Mr. Mike's heart, Miss Judy's heart, like I truly believe that they were seeking the Lord in that time. And so those doors began to open. And it, but it wasn't always like you can see 12 doors down the way, right? Sometimes it feels like, man, if I can just get through the next door and then the next door and then the next door. But when we find ourselves leaning on the Lord in those times, I think we find ourselves in a little bit uh, more peaceful state. Not necessarily uh, 100% of these, but, but certainly more at peace. If I can tack on to that story, this, this, this part of that story is just never ceases to amaze me. When you ask God to give, to provide something to you, you better be willing to accept what he wants to provide to you. I remember being at our house in Alabama. Judy had already moved back here into her mama's house out in Holly Ridge with her mom and our two girls. So I was trying to wrap up all the ends that needed to be wrapped up in Alabama to get moved. And she was just fractious. And I talked to her on the phone one, one night, and I could tell she was just a basket case. 
right i think of times where maybe you've experienced this where where you've made maybe a major life change or like me i have this i have these uh these ideas of of grandeur of of not being like it, it's fine to be little unless you're always little like me right so i have these ideas of i want to be big and strong and i want to be you know bowed up like some of these guys i see so i have it in my mind like i'm gonna i'm gonna work out really really hard uh, and, and I'm gonna I'm get strong, right? And so, so if you've ever experienced that, or maybe, maybe it's the other side, right? Like you're, you're trying to lose some weight, whatever, right? But the idea is that you start off that experience, right, all gung ho, and you're like, all right, I got this. I'm gonna tackle this day by day, and we're gonna make this right, and it's gonna be great. And then as time goes on, the the desire and the effort and the energy just sort of starts to wane a bit, right? And then eventually you get to the point of where you're just sitting around on the couch and you're like, man, I just wish I had the desire to have the desire to get back in shape, right? But the truth of the matter is, is our spiritual life can be like that too, right? We can have those times where we're, we're, we're devoted to our prayer, we're, vo- we're devoted to our quiet time, we're devoted to listening to sermons and sharing the gospel, whatever the case may be. And then we find ourselves slowly but surely wandering away from God. And oftentimes, for me at least, it's like I look up and I, and I realize the distance. I didn't realize that I was wandering, but I look up and I see or I feel that distance once it's already taken place. And then if I can be honest with you guys tonight, sometimes I, I found myself in life so far away that I'd wish that I just had the desire to have the desire to go back to the Father, right? And I think that our spiritual life can be just like that and that man, we can be rocking and rolling. And then sometimes we can just be a few steps away. And then sometimes I'm so far away that I just wish that I could get back to a few steps closer, right? But here's the promise that I have for tonight. Even if I find myself wandering away from the Lord, He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He is still there. I always think about whenever I, whenever I get to thinking about this and I think about myself wondering, I think about the, the story of the prodigal son, and it's not on your worksheet, but, but like, you guys remember the story of the prodigal son? He, he goes to his father. He's like, Dad, I'm going to go ahead and need my inheritance. I know you're still around, but like, just give me what's mine, and, and I'll take care of it. And he goes, and he squanders it, and he's eating with the pigs. He's like, if I could just go back and work for my father, that would be good enough. And he's, and he's headed back home, and his dad sees him down the driveway. His dad busts open the door, and he runs to him with open arms, right? And that's how I see the Father in this time. When, even whenever I find myself wandering away and I find myself far away from God, if I, if I can just get my mind right and I can get, say, I know the Lord's still there, and I can get back to running to the Father, guess what? He's right there with open arms. And man, that's such a good feeling to know that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He know, we know sometimes it's hard for me to, uh, let's see, how do I say this? Like I can, I can read it and I can see it here, right? Because I have access to Scripture all over the place. But it's hard to transition from here to here and know that in my heart of hearts that the Lord really never did leave me. Because whenever I find myself away, it feels like there's a, a big distance. But in reality, 
the Lord's just a, a prayer away or a text away or a phone call away, and he's, and he's right there with us, right? So flip over for me. Let's talk about this idea of what if, what if we did find ourselves in the middle of that storm or trying to overcome great adversity or we're trying to overcome that distance, that separation that I put between me and God? Here's what I believe to be true, that oftentimes our outcomes are determined by our mindset, right? You ever heard somebody talk about perspective right? Sometimes your perspective can change things in an instant, right? When you hear Mr. Mike's story, like as an outsider, right, and me not having to be in that storm, I can go to him, I can give him encouragement, like, like, dude, I know what you're doing is right, and I see you chasing after the Lord, like, just keep at it, right? But in, in, that, in that moment, he might not, he might enjoy hearing that, right? It's always good for your friends to give you encouragement, but in that moment, he may not feel that, right? But what I believe to be true is that oftentimes our mindset, our perspective can change things, right? And so it's going to seem a little funny, but I think you'll get the idea here. I think you'll get the picture. And so because our mindset makes such a big difference, I think that we tend to find ourselves on one end of the spectrum or the other or somewhere in between. And so I have two characters that you're going to remember. And once again, I know these are funny. I think they're funny. And so maybe you'll laugh with me. But the two characters that came to mind whenever I think about the perspective were Eeyore and Lieutenant Dan, right? Like... (laughs) How, why those two came to mind, I don't have a good reason or explanation, right? But I think that when you look at people who are going through adversity and going through these storms of life, sometimes you run into Eeyores, right? So help me out. What do y'all remember about Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Just that womp, 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 right? Like I found this quote, Eeyore saying, could be worse, not sure how, but it could be, right? Like that's the people, the Debbie Downers, right? Katie said, I couldn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. And so whenever I was reading, like to get reminded about, about Eeyore, you know, sometimes you describe these people as the people that bring a rain cloud to a parade, right? Like that's one way of saying it. The other way that I read that it was described as someone who brings the turd to the punch bowl, right? <laughs> and so like, I don't know about you, but like if I go to a party and I want some punch, like that ain't the punch that I want, you know what I'm saying? But, that, but that's the people, that's the Eeyores in life. That was a little too much, Miss Melissa. I'm sorry. <laughs> And so, so you got this, you got this idea that you have the, you have the Eeyores in life, like the Debbie Downers. It doesn't matter how good life is or how bad life is, you know, they're the womp, 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 right? Like, it's just always down, right? And here's the other end of the spectrum to me, is Lieutenant Dan, right? Like, it may be a while, it's not, like, I'll give this disclaimer, it's not exactly a family-friendly movie, so, so maybe don't go home and watch it, but if you have seen Forrest Gump... And you happen to remember Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan, uh, he's in the Army or whatever. Are they in the Army? They are, is that Army? All right. So they're in the Army with Forrest Gump. And he tells, Forrest tells Lieutenant Dan one day he's going on his own shrimping business or a shrimp boat, right? And Lieutenant Dan's kind of joking with him. He says, well, whenever you do that, I'll, I'll come work for you, right? And so Forrest is out in his shrimping boat. And he's having no luck. And one day, Lieutenant Dan shows up on the dock, right, without his legs. He's like, I'm going to come work for you, right? I made a promise to you. I'm here, right? Now they go out and they're still not catching any shrimp. Like it's like this ain't working, right? But do you remember what happened shortly after that? They're in this storm, like a sure enough storm, and all the shrimping boats are capsized and damaged and there's nobody left. And Lieutenant Dan's up in the top, and do y'all remember what he says? Like part of it. Don't 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 say the whole thing. <laughs> he says, he says, You call this a storm? Just stop right there, right? And so so he says. Like that, then you have some people in life that are like Lieutenant Dan, and in the midst of this storm that is taking everybody out, all the shrimping boats out, he's saying, so you call this a storm, 
right? And you have those people that, that sometimes can walk through the greatest tragedies and they have this, this presence about them that's like, I'm not sure what y'all upset about. Like this, I'm good, right? Like I have one of those friends that sits right over here in this area and like it doesn't matter what's happening. Chelsea is like top notch 10, like let's go get them, right? Like everybody, like she, she's all about it. And I love that about her. But unfortunately, I find myself somewhere between the two of Eeyore and Lieutenant Dan. And most of us do, right? But it's nice to have those people in your life that are willing to go through the store with you and say, we got this. I got your back. The Lord's got our back. And we're, and we're all good, right? And so I think of those two things. But it's all about mindset. You can have that Eeyore mindset and like, there's no way through this. Not sure how it could be any worse. It probably could be. Not sure how it could be any worse. And then you have the Lieutenant Dan's in your life that are like, let's go get them right? And then you remember how Forrest Gump, they get through the storm because they're the only ship left. They start catching all these shrimp, and then they have the Bubba Gump Shrimp and Company, and you know, all that that goes with the, with the story. And so, so it's kind of a fun story, but it's this idea that, that you have those kind of wavering perspectives from time to time. And so jump back to the scriptures real quick. Do y'all remember how Abraham, what did we say about Abraham? What was his perspective? What did, we, what did he say? He said, the Lord will provide, right? That's an awesome perspective, right? What about, what do we have next? What about Joseph? What was his perspective? What you meant for harm, the Lord meant for good, right? And we talked about Samson and Jonah. They had a, they had a little bit different story. They weren't like your go-getters from the get-go, but eventually they saw the way of the Lord, and they went, and they did what the Lord asked them to, and you see Naomi. Now, I didn't mention this part, do y'all, but do y'all remember when Naomi goes back to Bethlehem, and all the ladies of, of the town are like, Naomi, it's you, Do y'all remember what she says? She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mora. And do you know what that means? It means bitter. Naomi was in a storm of life that she did not see the way out. Not saying that she was an Eeyore, but she wanted to be called by a new name, and that was bitter. Have you ever been in that that part of your life where you're just like, I don't want to hear from Chelsea, right? I just want to be bitter, right? And listen, I'm not saying to, to choose that route. I'm just telling you, that's where Naomi was, right? She was like, don't call me Naomi, call me more, right? But eventually the Lord works in her life, and they meet Boaz, and he's their kinsman redeemer, and they go on, and they're part of Jesus' lineage. Like, I'm not sure how the story gets much better than that, right? And so we see this happening over and over again in Scripture, and then we talk about Job, right? And in all of the trials and tribulation that Job goes through, what was his mindset? I, I, I got to believe that the Lord is still good. I'm still going to hold faithful, and I can't, can't listen to these voices around me telling me that I've done something wrong because I know that I'm going to stay faithful, and I have been faithful to the Lord. And so you have, on your worksheet, you have the Eeyore mindset, and when you live in that Eeyore mindset, what you're, what you're thinking, what does it say? You are, you are already defeated, right? It could be worse, not sure how, but it could be even worse. And I'm going to find my place in that, find myself in that place, right? But if you have that Lieutenant Dan mindset, what do, what do we say? We are living from victory. And that's where I want you guys to find yourself tonight. Listen, I don't know that I can give you the words to get you there other than Scripture, but I know that the victory is already ours. Jesus has already overcome the grave, and because he's already overcome the grave and death, like the victory is ours. And I can be excited about that no matter the storm that I'm going through in life. And so here we go. How do we get to that place where maybe I find myself wondering or I find myself in a, in a storm that I just can't see the light shining through the clouds? How do I find myself 
where I can where I can hear the Lord's voice. So so I had some good friends of mine share in our Sunday school group uh, a video that they came across, and it's this pastor um, that, he, that he shares this story at church. And so I want to share this story, uh, and he's going to play this video for us real quick, and then we're going to finish up. But but listen to this story real quick, and and it's a story of of this guy, this crazy story of this guy having to land a plane who has never flown flown a plane before, but he's listening to the voice of the, of the not the flight instructor, but the what do they call him? The air traffic controller, right? And the air traffic controller is saying, listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. And I think that we're going we're to make this transition from listening to the air traffic controller's voice to listening to the Lord's voice. So watch this with me. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. The pastor came up. And he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane. And I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound... I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me, and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling and he passes out. Passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell them, we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you got to understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. 
After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot, and those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now, hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand, without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747 started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. <laughs> Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say you were the voice you're the voice that brought me home if you're not on that altar 
as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. That gives me the gives me the chills, but it gets me fired up because what we said already is that we know that in the past and the present and the future we're going to face storms. You just are, and in the midst of those storms, you got all these voices around you. You have the storm itself, and you have all these voices trying to tell you which way to go. But really, only one voice matters. And so how do we find ourselves? I know that we're running out of time, so I want to jump through this real quick. Look at the last part where you get to this idea where you will seek and you will find. So how do we hear the Lord's voice? I've got three scriptures for you that will remind you how to hear the Lord's voice. The first one comes from Matthew chapter 6. Same Sermon on the Mount sermon that Jesus is giving just a chapter earlier. And it says, Do do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so we're reminded that if i seek after the lord and i put my treasures in heaven then i'm hearing his voice what about this one in matthew 6 same chapter just a few verses later said but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be given to you as well once again, I, I put my focus on the Lord. I hear His voice, and He takes me to the, to the things that He wants to take me to. Or this last one out of Romans 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desire, desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Listen, I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know if you're in the midst of a storm just coming out or headed into a storm. But what I know to be true is this right here, is that his voice is the voice that matters. And we saw in that video, and I put it at the end of your notes, Jesus says in John 10, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they will follow me. How sweet of a promise is that? That if I listen to the Lord and his voice... He is willing to take me and give me the things that my heart desires. Not because it's just, I want this, I want that, but it's because my heart now lines up with what he wants to desire for my life as well. So I hope that that was a a bit of a word of encouragement. Um, You know, it's it's hard for me, uh, Katie and I laugh, it's hard for me to tell a good joke without shedding a few tears. So so certainly not going to get through through a a talk without shedding a few tears. But, But even in doing that, I hope that you guys heard from the Lord and you're reminded of the promises that he has for us. And listen, that's just a couple. That's just a handful of the promises that they have. And I don't have enough hands to fill up 
all the promises that he has for us in Scripture. So I hope that you're encouraged by that and that when you find yourself in the midst of a storm, listen, don't listen for my voice. As much as I love to hear that laughter that Chelsea has, listen, that's not necessarily the voice that I need to hear in the midst of that storm as much as I love it. Really what I need to hear, and sometimes the Lord does speak through our friends, really I need to hear his voice. And the best place to go is in his word, right? And so be encouraged tonight, even if you find yourself in the middle of the storm, that he is right there. He is never going to leave us nor forsake us. So I love you guys. I want to pray for y'all. Pray again for Mr. Gary. You guys got anything else that, that as we wrap up tonight that we can be praying for? Anything else heavy on your heart?